On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to talk about situation ethics. Maybe an old term, but uh, certainly it is in the world today. Situation ethics. It's uh, an idea that there's no right or wrong. It depends on the situation. We want to talk about that. We see it in our culture. We certainly see it in people's religious thinking. What about situation ethics? All right. That's what we'll talk about. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study is next. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And this is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, March 9th, 2017. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Good to be with you as well. Kyle's behind the controls. Kyle, welcome to the program. It's good to be here. Make us look good if you can. It's a big task, but try and do what you can. And uh, look forward to hearing from you on the program. This is a listener participation program. You can participate in a number of ways. 877-381-4567 is a toll-free number to use. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. And if you're watching us in any of our numerous video feeds tonight, uh, you can uh, send us an email or send us a, a comment in the chat window or the chat uh, box of the various you, places we're broadcasting. You can make a comment on Facebook or you can get on the chat uh, window on our uh, regular website page. Uh, we'd be glad we want to hear from you tonight as we're discussing situation ethics. All right. Uh, it is an important uh, subject. Uh, you know, that situation ethics, that was a big buzzword. I don't know if that, that uh, is quite as commonly uh, referred to anymore, but uh, that's a big buzzword back in the 80s and 90s, And uh, but it still is a prominent concept. We asked a question. We sent out an update earlier today to tell people what we'd be talking about tonight. And in our update, we asked about Joseph Fletcher. Who was Joseph Fletcher and what did he teach? Joseph Fletcher uh, was an Episcopal priest, and he lived uh, in the 1900s and born in 1905. He, he died in 1991. Uh, he was, the, I think, the most famous proponent of situation ethics. And he wrote a book called Situation Ethics, The New Morality. In mm-hmm. other words, he's going to say this is a basis for morality, but he admitted it was new. And in it, he formally uh, stated his view, uh, and it has become really accepted by lots of people. Um, let me read a few quotes from Fletcher's book, because I, I think this defines what we're talking about when we talk about situation ethics. He said, there's only one general proposition, uh, namely the commandment to love God through thy neighbor. All else, all other generalities, for instance, to tell the truth or to respect life, are at most only maxims, never rules. For the situationist, there are no rules, none at all. No rules. So, So basically, he's saying, whatever the situation you're in dictates is that's the, in other words, this overriding principle you're supposed to love, uh, love God and show that love through loving your fellow man. And whatever, uh, whatever situation you're in, 
that overriding principle is what you're to base your decisions upon. Uh, and this this wasn't an atheist. This was uh, or a humanist or this was a religious person, an Episcopal priest. Yeah. Uh, Amazing. Well, that sort of tells you where the Episcopal Church was headed way well, back then. Well, of course, then. they were they were then and are now extremely liberal in in their in their theology right. at, at a very minimum. Right. He 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 goes on to say, in situation ethics, even the most revered principle, right, if they conflict in any concrete case with love. Okay, so you got rules here, and they those may be very uh, definitive rules, very explicit, but you can throw them out the window. If you can formulate an idea conflict with love, interesting. Yeah, what, and that would be your definition of love, obviously, not uh, some what, whatever you perceive the right. the situation. He goes on another quote: "If a lie is told unlovingly, it is wrong; it's evil. But if it's told in love, it's good and right." Wow. In other words, if I lied to you because I wanted to take advantage of you, steal your money, or hurt you in some way, that'd be wrong. I should not do that. But if I told a lie to protect your feelings, to keep you from being hurt or offended, that'd be a good thing. Right. So, do you like my shirt? Uh, oh yes, I do like right, that yeah, shirt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks, thanks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you get the idea that yeah. that there, basically there's no absolute because right. a lie a lie could be either good or bad, right. and, and it's only determined by the circumstance. So no absolutes. No absolutes. Uh, uh, more quotes from Joseph Fletcher in his book entitled "Situation Ethics: The New Morality." Quote, therefore, what is sometimes good may at other times be evil, and what is sometimes wrong may sometimes be right when it serves a good enough end, mm. depending on the situation. The situation. I don't know. I think if you listen to much of that, your head almost begins to spin because you realize that you are in a, just a, 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 a an endless spiral of uncertainty. It sounds like a riddle there, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, again, Joseph Fletcher, any act, even, again, I get this, and at least he's consistent with his position. He says, any act, even lying, premarital sex, abortion, adultery, and murder Whoa, could, no. could be right depending upon the circumstances. Unbelievable. Uh, so, I mean, uh, you know, I, I have to at least give the guy credit. You know, a lot of times people want to take a position, but then they don't want to own up to the logical conclusion where that leads. Yeah. Uh, but at least this guy does. He does. Or he's dead now, but he, the full consequence of his position, you, even in some instances, murder could be right, depending on the circumstance. And then finally, one more quote from Joseph Fletcher. The new morality, situation ethics, declares that anything and everything is right or wrong according to the situation. Mm-mm-mm. So, uh, that's where it is. That's, you know, that's what he believed. And, and so, um, radical at the time, probably, uh, not so radical today, though, unfortunately. Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing. Of course, I, I don't think he's the first one who ever dreamed that up. No. But it has become a pervasive way of thinking in our culture. Uh, I think people in everyday affairs, Make their determinations based upon what they think the circumstance calls for, rather than what is uh, defined in the Word of God. And obviously, what we're talking about on the virtual Bible study tonight is that this whole notion uh, is in direct opposition to what we believe the Bible teaches. Well, I think we'll be able to show the Bible actually teaches. All right, uh, let us know your thoughts in the chat room tonight. We'd love to hear from you. Questions at collegeu.com is the email address you use. You can use that any time if you're listening to us in the recorded version or on the podcast. 
Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com if you'd like to comment on the topic at hand tonight, or if you have any Bible question on any Bible subject, we'd like to hear from you. Uh, yeah. So, and and also give us some feedback if you are if you're getting our video feed on Facebook, or if you're getting it uh, uh, through our website uh, uh, normal feed. Uh, let us know that we're out there and share it with your friends. Uh, yes. so if you're on Facebook, the, by all means, share it. The bigger the crowd, the more comments, the better. Uh, we look forward to uh, talking with you and uh, and and your friends on Facebook. Yeah, Jacob, I think we say, we were saying we see the evidence of this situation ethics kind of thinking uh, in our culture a lot. Yeah, and uh, I I just thought maybe and this one of the things I suggested we could talk about. What are some of the evidences of of this situation ethics sort of thinking right. as it's seen in our culture? Right, uh, and I think one of the ones that some of our audience is probably too young, but I think almost everybody's familiar with uh, the Andy Griffith show. I mean, even young people, they still show those things. They're still showing the reruns of right. that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, there was, and that, that was from back in the, probably, I'm not sure, probably late 50s, early 60s is right. when that thing, mm-hmm. when that show was popular. There was a lot of situation ethics uh, being played out in uh, in the relationship, especially between Barney and Andy. Yeah, Barney was sort of the bumbling idiot, and Andy would often do things to protect his feelings, even lie uh, in order to guard his feelings, and. Uh, uh, that was that was okay. Uh, that but that was situation ethics. And according to Mr. Fletcher, if a lie is told unlovingly, it is wrong, evil. If it is told in love, it is good, right. Well, you know, it appeared that Andy Griffith had that same approach. And uh, you know, the sad, the thing about the media is that they can get you wrapped up in that, where you emotionally are invested. Like Andy, it sort of you begin to think it's right. Uh, Kyle, you sort of begin to root for Andy that maybe he can pull this lie off. Oh uh, yeah, of course. It's uh, it just it can permeate your thinking. Of course, in Mayberry, a lot of things. It's just a little different way of thinking, I guess, in a little simpler times in some ways. But yeah, they do. He just to his own morals, I guess you could say. So yeah. Just, so you better get you. That's the dangerous thing about our media is it can begin to, you to begin to think that that way. So. A lot, a lot of, but, but not just, obviously, that's just a, a simple yeah, sure. example that I think everybody would relate to, but we see it in literature, we see it in music. There was a, there was a popular song out, and again, this is pretty old, but yeah. I'm sure there's lots of examples similar to it, but I think some of our listeners will remember a song that was popular probably 40 years ago. If loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, I mean, it, this is, this is just, you know, it has to be right because of the situation. In this situation, it's such a wonderful thing, this man, this woman. Never mind that the two of them are married to different people, each one. Right. But loving one another seems so right. How could it possibly right. be wrong? The right. situation determines that it's right. Right. Um, in our schools, I, there, there was an uproar. And again, this is a little bit of old news. But uh, in, the, in U.S. News and World Report a while back, um, there was a, a, an article, a sort of a dust-up about some school textbooks that were clearly teaching situation ethics. The, the textbook said, most people think that cheating is wrong. Do you think there is ever a time when it might be right? Yeah. Tell when it is right. Tell 
why you think it is right. In other words, it's okay to cheat. Sometimes The textbook was teaching students to do that. I wonder how the teacher would feel if she actually caught some of her yeah, students right. cheating. But the textbook was teaching that, yeah, there might be times when you could cheat and it would be all right. Mm. Uh, we we hear in our culture the expression, uh, it's okay just so long as nobody gets hurt. That's a big, uh, yeah, often you hear that. that, that to you, it, it's just it's just me. It's just, you know, it's, just not, it's what I want to do, and I'm not hurting anybody, so it must be okay. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I situation. can do drugs. If I, now, if what I was doing was hurting somebody else, yeah. in other words, that, that would be a different situation. That's yeah. what we're talking yeah. about. We're talking about situations de- defining the ethics of a thing. If it if what I was doing was actually hurtful to someone else, then maybe I'd have to rethink that. But as long as it's not hurting anybody, then it's my own business. Now, if I you know if I'm <laughs> drinking and doing drugs and I get out on the street and kill somebody in my car, well, that's one thing. But if I'm just drinking and doing drugs and I'm staying home, nothing wrong with that. Not hurting anybody. Well, why not? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then of course there's the old there's the old example of of having to lie for your boss. You know, yeah. the, sort of the classic illustration that here's the secretary at. Uh, and she gets a phone call, and she tells the boss who it is calling, and, and he says, tell him I'm not here. Or maybe even at home, you know, dad doesn't want to take a phone call, so he tells Junior when he answers the phone, tell him I'm not home. Uh, lying uh, in, in a circumstance to uh, maybe because you because if you took the call or if you talked to somebody it, it would maybe hurt someone else or hurt a situation so you just lie lying's okay in that yeah. situation or the yeah, the old uh, movie the uh, television show where the the family's poor and the dad's out stealing chickens to feed the family you know, it wouldn't it'd been it's wrong okay. it's okay yeah you can't steal chickens normally I mean, if i had a lot of food it'd be all right i'd be wrong but uh, you know they're they're hungry it's okay to steal and 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 as you say movies and tv shows would play upon the emotions of people to sort of, you, you kind of root for that poor guy who's stealing chickens that he won't yeah. get caught because yeah. he, he has a right to those chickens yeah, in, yeah. in this circumstance. Yeah, right. That's the way it's portrayed. Yeah. Uh, bringing it even more to the modern day, we've talked a lot of times on the virtual Bible study about abortion. Uh, and one of the arguments that's made about abortion and why people want to justify the horrible killing of unborn babies is because in some instances... Uh, it'd be better for a child not to be born. You know, may, maybe that maybe we already know this child's going to be born with a birth defect. Yep. And it, it would be better. It would be better to kill that baby than to, normally you don't kill babies. I mean, everybody knows you don't kill babies. Yep. But in this circumstance, it's probably better to kill that baby than to let it live and have a life with lots of issues to yep. deal with and so forth. Yep. And so the situationist would say the loving thing. Remember, the overriding principle is love. Yep. The loving thing yep. is to commit an abortion there. Yep. Yeah. Or maybe here's a girl and she's been uh, a young girl and she's been impregnated by incest. Yeah. And you don't want her to have to live with that the rest of her life. Better to better to, you know, in that circumstance, I don't I don't really approve of abortion all the time, they would say. But in that circumstance, maybe abortion would be the thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Circumstances determining right and wrong. That's what situation ethics is. All right. Now. So. that Those. To those that are, well, not all that religious folks would have a problem with that, but a lot of folks that would might be listening tonight would. But there's one area where folks that might be appalled by some of the situation ethics examples you've given us. These people are practicing some of that in 
the participation they have in maybe some unauthorized activities in the, in justifying them. Blah, blah, blah. Look how much good is being done. Yeah. All right. We, we're doing, look at what we're doing good. It, it has to be right. We're doing good. Yeah. Even in religion, we see them making that argument. And that's one of the things we want to talk about in, as we develop this theme a little more thoroughly in our discussion tonight, uh, we want to talk about what about how is this infecting the religious thinking of people as we get further into our discussion tonight. All right. We need to get a break. And when we get back, we want to take your thoughts. And we'd love to have them in the chat room or the chat feed of your view stream or Facebook. Uh, send in your comments so we can include them in the discussion. Or give us a call, 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Hi, my name is Mike Johnson. I'm a member here at the College View Church of Christ. Have you ever heard someone say that the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic? Generally, people say this when we say that we must be careful to follow all the commands that God has given us. When we say, God says we must do this, or God doesn't command us to do that, people respond with, the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic. Well, while it may be impossible to know exactly what people mean when they make this accusation, if they are accusing us of being legalistic because we say that we should follow all the instructions that God has given us, then that accusation is correct. But let me ask you this. Which of the commands that God has given us should we ignore? Can we pick and choose which commands we follow, or must we follow them all? Jesus said we have to follow all the commands of God when he said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? We want to call Jesus our Lord, so we try to follow all the commandments that he has given us. We don't in any way think that following God's commands earns our salvation, but we do think it is necessary to be pleasing to him. Here at the College of You Church of Christ, we're trying to follow every command that God has given us. If, as a result, some people call us legalistic, then so be it. God calls being righteous. Here's some quotes worth pondering. The armor of God is awkward apparel for those who sit in easy chairs. Where complaining exists, thankfulness is absent. The big jobs of tomorrow are for the man who is doing today's small jobs as best as he can. A great man is always willing to be little. He who is too busy to pray is busier than God ever intended him to be. Man, wish I'd said that. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about situation ethics. An old term, but a modern problem still now. Yeah, uh, we've got uh, to be aware of this thinking and how it can permeate our thoughts. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Okay, uh, we, we, we have an example. We have a, someone in the chat room who's offered a uh, maybe a biblical basis for this kind of thinking, or at least some people would argue it. Guest 474 in the chat room says some people would say that Rahab's action is an example of situation ethics. Not only did her actions not hurt someone, but saved two people. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, that's a what, complicated one. Yeah, what about Rahab? I'll tell you what let's do. Let's hang on to that yeah. for a minute until we talk about, until we get to sort of the religious discussion of situation ethics. All right. I'm going to uh, make a note because that's a good one, 474. I think so. We, we do not want to miss it. Okay. Yeah. So hang on to that thought and we'll, we'll uh, try to come back to that. Okay. All right. Um, What's wrong? If you were going to formulate an argument against situation ethics, let's say, for instance, that back when he was still alive, he died in 91, but Joseph Fletcher was still alive and you were able to engage him in debate. What would you argue? What would be your arguments that you would make to say, Joseph Fletcher, you're just all wrong. Situation ethics is is contrary 
to the will of God. Um, I would I, I would start out. You, you got to attack this basic premise that he had that the overriding principle is love. Yeah, that love is all that matters. And as long as a thing that you do is demonstrating that you have love in your heart, then it's okay. Uh, I, I think you got to start out by attacking that. And, and I would argue that uh, situation ethics ignores that there's actually a higher principle than love for others. And that principle is love for God. The, the first, Jesus, uh, when he asked, when he was asked, what's the great commandment in the law? Matthew 22, beginning verse 36. What's the great commandment of the law? Jesus said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like to it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So the first law was love God. Yep. And the second law was love your fellow man. But loving God comes first. And and the way you show that you're loving God is you keep his commandments. Yeah. First uh, John 5, verse 3. Uh, this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. His commandments are not grievous. So I've got to love God, and the only way I can love God is if I keep his commandments. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not going to say, God, I love you, but I'm not going to listen to you when it comes to murder. Or lying or, or adultery. adultery. Yeah. God, but I'm going to adult, uh, fornicate, commit adultery. Abort kill. a baby. But I still love God. No, yeah, it's no. an impossibility. Yeah. So, uh, again... Love is a, an important principle, and the most important thing is that we love God, and right. we and we demonstrate our love for God not by ignoring His His principles of right and wrong, but actually by living them. Uh, so uh, that that has to be an argument. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven, and uh, get in the chat windows there and uh, give us your comments there. Uh, another thing that we could say, Jacob, is one of the problems with this is that it leaves it up to man to do the determining of what is the loving thing. Fletcher says the, the, the principle is what is the loving thing to do. Yeah. And this argues that I, I would be capable of always determining, yeah. correctly determining every time the, what is the loving thing to do. Yes. Uh, and of course th- that, that is easily denied by simply showing that as humans we judgment. That, that, that relegates everything to my judgment and my perception and the scriptures tell us over and over again that that can't be done uh, proverbs fourteen twelve. there's a way which seemeth right to a man but the end thereof are the ways of death you know there how many times have you well for instance in the temptation to lie you know it's a difficult thing i'd like to lie about that that's sure it's hideous yeah. but to me it seems better to lie about that proverbs fourteen twelve says that may seem like the right thing for you to do, but it is not, and it will lead to death. Right. You know, even in a more uh, you know life and death sort of thing, I might think that lying about a situation uh, w- would be the best thing to do to protect someone's life. When the fact of the matter is that my lying may turn around and cause not only the death of that person but several others, and their spiritual death if they follow uh, my footsteps. So you know, you know. You're putting yourself in real tentative ground by suggesting that you're always able to determine what is the loving thing to do. Jeremiah 10, 23, O Lord, I know, uh, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. We can't always tell what's right. And one of the problems is that this relegates God and this idea that, that I know the loving thing to do without God's input. It relegates God to a position even lower than myself, that I'm the ultimate authority. And because I, I can understand, well, God 
told me not to lie, but God didn't know what I was facing. Or he would understand in this circumstance. Yeah. He, Jeremiah, or Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So when I try and reason out God's instructions and determine why I shouldn't follow them, I'm basically saying, God, I know what you're thinking here. We're on the same page. We're on the same. We're we're on the same wavelength, same same level, and so God, you're going to have to understand on this one. Yeah, exactly right. right. So uh, we're arguing. If, if we had a chance to debate Joseph Fletcher, we would argue that the very basic premises of his of his doctrine that love is the overriding principle, but love for God is the most overriding principle, and that's demonstrated by obeying commands. Yep. Can't do it. If you can't love God if you're not keeping his commandments. First and I can't always determine, short of just doing what God says, I can't always determine what would be the best thing in every circumstance. And that would put me in the precarious situation of having to be flawless in my determination. Third, I would say that clearly this idea of situation ethics ignores the fact that the Bible speaks in clear absolutes. All right. Explain that. Well, just look at a passage like 1 Corinthians 6. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Oh, oh boy. Excuse me. Yeah. Be not deceived. Be not sneezed. <laughs> yeah. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived. You can't be a, a fornicator or an idolater or an adulterer and inherit the kingdom of God. That's absolute. That is. But when I wait just a minute, yeah, yeah, yeah. You there might be an instance where you could be an adulterer and still go to heaven if the circumstance was. If if you allow me to find the circumstance. That's not absolute. Wait, wait. Now, he said any act, even lying, premarital sex, abortion, adultery, and murder could be right depending on the circumstances. Yet 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10 mentions adultery and fornicators and uh, those that would uh, do these things as not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Now, there's no conditions on that. Yeah. No, well, if it was, except in some circumstances, if it was the loving thing to do, then we're okay. But no, it's just a blanket statement there. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. right. So, so again, I I wish that uh, we could uh, have a debate with somebody who believes the doctrines of Joseph Fletcher. He's not around to defend them personally anymore, but there's an awful lot of advocates of his out there. I wish that we could arrange a, a public debate to discuss those differences. But we would especially be interested in people who claim to be religious. Fletcher himself did. He was an Episcopal priest. It, it's, it's particularly troubling to think that religious people buy into this philosophy. Very yeah. troubling. Yeah. Uh, guess 76.12 says, how can this square with the noted Christian values? It simply can't. It, yeah, that's uh, right. Well, exactly. there's nothing that it, it would line up with at all with this idea that uh, anything goes. There are no absolutes. All right. Let's, uh, uh, let me give you a, another. Now, now let's get to a, a Bible case. The problem with situation ethics is that it suggests that the end justifies the means. All right. Well, in other words, if something that. good, if it, if something good comes of it, then whatever you did is okay. Maybe even murder is okay. If if the outcome is good, then 
what you did to get there is okay. That's what situation ethics argues. Yeah, that's exactly what it argues in that in verbatim is even up to the point of murder. If it is what you deem as something good as the outcome, then it would be okay. All right, the scriptures don't give us that idea. Yeah, you got an example? Well, we got King Saul. You know, when he was uh, uh, there, when he was, uh, and I'm in the wrong, uh, the first wrong Kings passage. Fifth, first, first Samuel first 15. Samuel 15 yep, yeah, first yeah, first Kings 15 won't get you there. Um, first Samuel 15, where Paul was, or Saul was told to, to kill the Amalekites, and yet uh, he spared the best of the treasure, spared the king, and his excuse was. That, well, we didn't obey God. You know, God was very explicit. No, uh, well, there weren't conditions. There were blanket statements. You do this and no conditions, no situations to override that. Saul thought he had a situation to override that. At least that was his excuse. He, uh, he said in verse 15 of 1 Samuel 15, uh, Saul said they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the, the oxen and to sacrifice to the Lord your God and the rest we have utterly destroyed. And so Saul had said he had performed the commandment of the Lord in verse 13. Samuel comes back and says, what is the bleeding? Why do I hear all these lives, this livestock? You were supposed to wipe it all out. And he says, well, you know, we're going to do a little sacrificing with that. See, that this is it's a, a good, good thing. Idea. It's a good thing to God sacrifice likes to sacrifices. God. Yeah. And so, well, why not? And, uh, and, and the, the result was Saul was rejected. Yeah, so that was, that's a pretty clear case. And, it's, you know, one of the problems here, and the same problem with those in have, have the idea of situation ethics, is verse 17 of, of 1 Samuel 15. This is what it gets down to. When you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel, and did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Saul had gotten proud in his thinking. And people today who have this idea that, well, I can determine what's right and what's wrong, they've gotten proud in their own eyes, and uh, they think that they can figure it out instead of God. I think that's right. I All think right. that's right. And I give you one more classic example that the end does not justify the means. Uh, that, that end justifies the means thinking is what uh, situation ethics propose, promotes. The the classic example of Uzzah. And I think all of our listeners know the story. They were moving the Ark of the Covenant. They weren't moving it the way they were supposed to. They had it up on a cart. They weren't supposed to carry it that way, but... When, when the cart got to a rough place, uh, it looked like the Ark of the Covenant was going to fall off of the cart, and Uzzah reached out his hand to steady it, and God struck him dead. Yeah. Now, I want to tell you, I think what Uzzah did there was a loving act. I think it was sincere and genuine. He really didn't want to see anything bad happen to that Ark of the Covenant, but the law of God was nobody can touch it, yeah. and when he touched it, he died. And I think their God himself is giving testimony to the fact the end does not justify the means. It certainly had to be sincere, had to do it out of love. What would the impact have been on the children of Israel if that uh, precious ark had been obliterated? He certainly was motivated sincerely, probably out of love and concern, yet he was punished because he violated the instructions. Uh, certainly it shows us that this idea of situation ethics is not a valid approach. Yeah. Let's get a break, and we'll get back. We'll continue the discussion. We want to hear from you. If you're not in uh, a chat window right now, you can get one at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, if you want to get over there and uh, view the video and jo- join in the, the chat room with other listeners there. Or you can send your comments in uh, on Facebook or YouTube. We can catch them there. We want to hear from you on the program tonight. Uh, don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. 
Abbott and Costello, the famous comedy team of the 1950s, are most remembered for their hilarious routine about baseball. It was a classic example of the confusion that results when people aren't communicating on the same wavelength. It's not uncommon even today to hear people remark, Who's on first? That line from the Abbott and Costello skit, when confronted with a confusing situation. There may be a lesson here for us, a lesson concerning our efforts to teach the Bible to lost people. It's very possible that we will begin teaching folks at a level they are not prepared to receive. We ought to be careful about assuming that a student knows certain fundamentals. If we start with a faulty foundation of knowledge, we are certain to run into difficulty as we try to convince people of the things that are, quote, hard to be understood, 2 Peter 3, verse 10. We should follow the example of Philip's level of understanding and, quote, began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus, Acts 8, verse 35. Additionally, we should be cautious about using phrases and jargon that are very familiar to us but may leave a student in utter confusion. It would be a shame to waste a good teaching opportunity simply because we weren't careful about analyzing our students' ability to comprehend the message. There is, quote, a time when you ought to be teachers, Hebrews 5, verse 12, and good teachers know their students. So pray that God will help us find good and honest hearts and also pray that he will give us wisdom to use every opportunity to the fullest. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Jared in Warwickshire, England. Listen to the chat from the Virtual Bible Study each Thursday night. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the Virtual Bible Study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ. Again, if you've not been to our website, it is thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We encourage you to go there to find out more about us, what we believe, what we practice, where we meet, and the time of our assembly. Thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeu.com, where you can also find how to podcast this program, as well as recent sermons presented to the College of Church of Christ, check us out, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And we wanted to let you know, if you'd like to help us get the word out there, you can do so by sharing our page with your friends on Facebook, but you can also share it with the strangers in traffic. We've got some free bumper stickers that we'd be glad to send you. Uh, send us your snail mail address uh, via email, questions at collegeu.com, and we can get those bumper stickers into the mail to you and uh, let you help us get the word out about the program. We want to hear from you. And maybe you don't want a bumper sticker. Maybe you just want to send us an email to let us know you're out there. Questions at collegeu.com. Got a question about something you've read in the Bible or something that uh, you wonder about? Send it to questions at collegeu.com. We can answer it uh, in a private email, or we can answer it on a program like this uh, where we address listener questions. Questions at collegeu.com. We'd love to hear from you. Talking about situation ethics on the program tonight. And uh, lots of things uh, wrong with it. We're just getting started, and uh, lots of things to talk about when we talk about why situation ethics are wrong. I think uh, I would just say that sit- the whole notion of situation ethics as promoted by Joseph Fletcher is just an insult to God and his word. It suggests that God wasn't capable of providing us with instructions that are applicable to all circumstances. Right. You know, that <clears throat> we're just going to face things, and God wasn't able to foresee everything that we're going to be facing and therefore, we've just got to be free to sort of make our decisions on the fly, you know, because yep. cause God, there's no way God could ever have can composed a document for us to live by that would cover all possible contingencies. Yep. Uh, but I think uh, uh, that's just, again, I think it's an insult to God and to his word. Second Peter 1, verse 3, his divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and God and us through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. We've got everything we need there. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's basically saying, you know, God couldn't think, think, it, think it through this far. God didn't understand. God didn't really know what he was talking about. It is an insult and a slap in God's face. Um, 
there's one verse that probably pins this down as well as any is Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 what two verses 20 and 21 Isaiah 5 20 21 Woe to them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Yeah. yeah. But notice that. Woe to them that call evil good and good evil. Do you, are you looking back at some of those yeah, quotes? Yeah, because that's the verse that came to mind when you read the, uh, yeah. one of these quotes from Joseph. And therefore, what is sometimes good may at other times be evil, and what is sometimes wrong may be sometimes be right. When it serves a good end, a good enough end, depending on the situation. Joseph Fletcher is <laughs> is given a woe there yeah, by woe Isaiah. Joseph Fletcher, because he calls evil good and good evil. Yeah, yeah. All right, now so the principles that we set forth uh, are true across the board, but I thought another thing we suggest we want to talk about is that some people are using this kind of reasoning. Even in religious activity, they're using situation ethics type reasoning. And I I thought we should talk about some of the evidence that they are doing that. Yeah, it is certainly prevalent in the religious world that may be up in a lather about some of the things we talked about here that Joseph Fletcher said, yet they're doing the same thing in practice without thinking it through. Uh, when they say that they make these kinds of justifications for their unscriptural acts. Um, one of the things you mentioned this earlier, uh, people suggesting it has to be good or it has to be right because lots of good is being accomplished. Yeah. In other words, uh, we get the church involved in some program of activity, and if if someone says, well, "Where's the authority for that?" You know, we talked just even recently on the virtual Bible study about establishing Bible authority, and someone says. Well, where's the authority for the church to do that? Maybe, uh, maybe I suggest let's build a, uh, uh, let's, ha- let's take church money and buy a field and, and construct a soccer field on that and, and we'll, we'll, we'll organize a league for kids to play soccer. Um, maybe whenever we get them together to play soccer, you know, on Saturdays before the game start, we'll have a little devotional. But, you know, we're going to do that as a church. And someone said, well, wait a minute, where would the authority be for the church to do that? Right. And someone says, well, look how much good would be done. Look yeah. how much good yeah. is being done by that sort of thing. Or or maybe uh, we want to engage in some type of benevolent activity. And so what we do is we get to the kids together and we go out on the side of the road and hold up a sign and we're, we begin washing cars. Uh, and this is going to go benefit um, homeless people. Homeless people. Yeah. Maybe that's fairly successful, and so rather than just having the kids on the side of the road with poster board signs, we decide if we opened up a full-fledged car wash and ran this thing seven days a week and had a business, and all the proceeds went to the home to the church, so the church could help the homeless. Why not do something like that? Uh, lots of people are doing just those various things. What could be wrong with that? Yeah. We're doing good with the proceeds. Yeah. Uh, here's the, here's what's wrong with it. God is the one who gets to dis- define what is good, not us. I think a lot of people are really missing that principle. A thing is not good because we say it's good. Right. We don't, we, we're not, we're not in charge. We don't get to decide good and bad. God right. is the determiner of that. 
And in uh, 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Note that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. If it's a good work, we can read about it, and we can be told how to do it in the Word of God. We don't have to dream this up on our own. We don't have to invent our own uh, projects and then legislate how we're going to carry them out. God's Word tells us everything that He says. He's the one who gets to define good. Yeah, and Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in a way that it is loving to your fellow man. No? That's what Fletcher would have said. But what it says here is, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father through him. We can't say, well, we're doing a lot of good with this, so it's okay. No, if we're not doing it with the authority of Jesus Christ, we're not pleasing to God. Plain and simple. doesn't matter what the outcome may be. If we're doing it without authority, it's wrong. Yeah. And so, again, we're pointing out that even religious people uh, have a problem with with buying into this way of thinking. We're not saying we shouldn't do good. We're not saying that uh, that you're necessarily your motives are wrong. We're saying if you don't have authority for it, we cannot do it. All right. Uh, here's another example. You're not supposed to judge people. Don't judge what others do because judging people is not a loving thing. Yeah. So you're saying that those people who are doing those religious deeds that we just illustrated with a minute ago, you're judging them when you say that that's not right, right that that's not authorized, that God's not pleased with that. You're judging, and judging is not loving. Judging is not a loving thing to do. You should not be judging. Yeah. Well... Again, the, Joseph Fletcher said, well, if if they don't like it, if it, it's not perceived as loving, then I shouldn't do it. But the scriptures tell us exactly the opposite. John seven twenty four, judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. I have to be able to judge. God told me to judge them by their fruits. Uh, God told me to judge righteous judgment. Yeah. So uh, here's here's another example that is so pertinent. We got women preachers now yep. we've got homosexual clergy now we're accepting these homosexual the, marriages these are religious people yeah. who are doing this well when we read our bible there's just no doubt about the fact that women are not authorized to take leading roles in the church clearly and certainly homosexuality is a, is condemned as sinful how do these religious people today and I don't know, by what reasoning would you say it's okay to ordain homosexual clergymen? By what reasoning? Because the Bible so plainly condemns homosexuality. They would say, well, times have changed. Yeah. The circumstances have changed. It's, we're in a different situation. Yeah. And in our situation, it's okay. Yeah, that's situation ethics, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, when you boil it down, they would, no one would, would sign up to, the, yeah, we're practicing situation ethics, but you're doing exactly that yeah. when you say, well, times have changed. Anybody who makes the argument that times have changed, it's different now, has to be, whether they know that they're doing it or not, they have to be an advocate of situation ethics. All right. Because that whole way of thinking is very basically rooted in the idea. Situations change. Times change. The world's different. It's not the same as it was, and so we've got to do something different. Yeah. Um, And then one more example of even religious people who would argue that truth is a relative thing. Uh, you know, some some very relig- very liberal religious people say, you know, for me, 
it's just the right thing to believe in Jesus. Yep. But for someone who lives in another place, maybe it's not so good for them to believe in Jesus. Maybe if you lived in the Mideast somewhere, maybe the thing for you to do is believe in Mohammed and be a Muslim. So, so you know, depending on where you are, what circumstances you are, they, very liberal religious people would even argue that it's okay to believe in some other way of salvation, to, to serve God some way other than through his son Jesus Christ. If you're in a circum in a circumstance that calls for that, yeah, yeah, so, uh, that is so prevalent. It, you whatever's good for you is that's okay, you, as long as it is uh, spiritual and you think it's what uh, is works for you, that's fine. But of course, Jesus said in John eight twenty four, "You shall die in your sins if you believe not that I am He. You shall die in your sins." In Acts four verse twelve, and speaking of Jesus, neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Is uh, there an opportunity for this pluralistic idea, this ecumenical idea that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you want to call it, put a spiritual name tag on it? Absolutely not. And that would be situation ethics. That Well, it's the, the, the folks over in the Middle East, the, the, there's something for them just because of where they live. Yeah. Far East, there's something else. But for us in the Western world, it just happens to be Christ. No. The situation doesn't determine uh, how we must be saved. Let's take a break. When we come back, I want to jump to that to that example that one of our chat room visitors made about Rahab the harlot. 474 still in there. Stay yeah. there, 474. We'll get to that on the other side. What about Rahab? Because, you know, she is mentioned in the Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. God happy that she lied about the spies? Huh? What do you think about that? Was that situation ethics, and did it have God's seal of approval? We'll go to the top of the hour right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. I'm Trent Haynes, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a reminder about the update mailing list for the virtual Bible study. Every Thursday, shortly after noon, an email message is sent out with information about the topic for discussion on that evening's program. You're invited to start sending feedback and comments that are then included during the broadcast. If you'd like to be added to our update list, just send a message to questions at collegeview.com and put add me to the list in the subject line. That's all there is to it. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. According to the Chapman University survey of American fears, 41.4% of all Americans believe that places can be haunted by spirits. 26.5% believe the living and the dead can communicate with each other. 20.3% believe that aliens visit us. And 13.9% believe that astrologers, fortune tellers, and psychics can foresee the future. That's via chapman.edu. The Word of God says in 1 John 4, verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the program talking about situation ethics during the break. Kyle, you were mentioning that you've got some quotes there about uh, some of the ramifications of this idea of situation ethics and how far Joseph Fletcher was willing to take it. Yeah, I think this is uh, Joseph Fletcher who who developed this uh, so-called theory. It's been around since uh, the beginning of time, but uh, he had a a little quote says, uh, people, talking about people with children with Down syndrome, have no reason to feel guilty about putting Down syndrome baby away, whether it's put away in the sense of hidden in a sanatorium 
or in a more responsible, lethal sense. It's sad, yes, dreadful, but it carries no guilt. True guilt arises only from an offense against a person, and Downs is not a person. That is a quote from uh, uh, Joseph, Fletcher. Joseph Fletcher about that's just the logical conclusion. Yeah, was, uh, you know, I think you're right, Cal. That's that's what I was saying earlier. You know, you, I think his position is just absolutely reprehensible. But you have to at least give him credit for the fact that he was willing to take it to its full logical conclusion. As as sick as it is, at least he owned it. And some of that love that was the overarching principle appears to be love of self. <laughs> Whatever makes me happy, uh, it makes it right. It appears uh, so certainly. Uh, when we leave the scriptures, the the consequences are very drastic, and we've got to be aware of that. But unfortunately, there are those in the religious world who are doing the same, as we've talked about. They're engaged in things that, uh, well, there's absolutely no scriptural authority for them. In fact, God has uh, commanded not to do them, and they're engaged in them. And they say, well, look at how much good is being done, and they don't even stop to consider, is what I'm doing pleasing to god I, I maybe i see benefits and good come from it that i approve of but does god approve of this and uh they just take it for granted because well look how much good is being done that's situation ethics and uh we've got to be on the lookout for it because it can permeate our thinking very quickly guest 76 12 says we are commanded not to remove the old landmarks uh that would uh, be an idea there that uh well things don't change that god's Word is the final absolute standard, and it's not going to change over time. Yeah. Thank you for those comments. All right. Now, earlier in the program, uh, one of our chat room listeners, uh, four, uh, guest 474, asked about Rahab. And, well, he basically said people will try to use Rahab as an example of God-approved situation right. ethics. We know the story. We know it well. Joshua chapter 2, uh, Joshua sent spies to spy out. Jericho, because that was the first city they were going to attack as right. they were conquering the promised land. And uh, Rahab hid them and lied about uh, their presence and their activities to protect them. And, and and she was promised that she would be spared when the city was destroyed, and she was. Yep. But maybe even what's more uh, interesting is that she is held up as an example in Hebrews chapter 11, mm-hmm. by verse 31. We, we always refer to Hebrews 11 as faith's hall of fame. Uh, lots of great heroes of faith there. And Rahab is named among them by faith. The harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Um and then she's also mentioned in James chapter 2, uh, verse 25, Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she received the messengers and and had sent them out another way. Yep. That God's <laughs> approval of her lying in those circumstances. Well, first of all, I think we have to acknowledge, I don't think there's any way you can argue around the fact she lied in, the, in right. what she did. Right. But... I think the answer is that she's not commended for her lying. She's commended for her faith. Right. And the, the people of Jericho and all throughout the Canaan land knew that, that the Israelites were coming. Uh, and, of course, they were pagan worshipers. They were polytheists. They worshipped all sorts of idols and engaged in all kind of wickedness in the very act of worshipping their idols. Yeah. <clears throat> Rahab believed that the God of the Israelites was the true God, and she wanted to be on that side. She, and, 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 and that's what 
she's rewarded for, and that's what's commended in her. She's not commended for telling a lie. Find a place where she's commended for lying. Yeah, she's commended for receiving the spies with peace in Hebrews 11 and sending them out the other way in James chapter 2. That's not the line. Yeah. So she she was she believed. She believed in God and she and she, in in a an environment where she was surrounded by pagan idolaters, she believed in the in the true God and wanted to be on that side. On his side. And she was, and I think that's what she's committed for. Now I don't know that that'd be a completely satisfactory answer to everybody who wanted to bring up that case. <clears throat> but I, th- I think we have to make that case harmonize with what else we know. Uh, and and God does not condone sin. She's so a harlot, he, for crying out loud. Yeah, does that it, mean that it's okay to be a right. harlot because she's in Hebrews the other, 11? I think that's another great argument. So does this mean it's okay to be a harlot? Yeah. No. Well, it's not okay to lie either. But it's it's important to believe in God, and she did, and she's committed for that, and not for these other things that were wrong in her life. All right, eight seven five six seven questions at collegeu dot com. Now, at the last of your update today, you sent out a question about uh, well, if we're not supposed to be using situation ethics, what are we supposed to do? I think that's a question. You know, that that the whole discussion leads us to this end. Well, what am I supposed to do if some if if somebody says uh, denounce your faith in Jesus Christ or I'm going to shoot your infant daughter? You know, what am I supposed to do? You know, there was a journalist. This has probably been eight or ten years ago. You remember that journalist that was captured over in Iraq or something? Yeah. And and they they're going to chop. They said they'd cut their head, his head off unless he pronounced his faith in uh, Muhammad. And uh, he did that. And then he came back over here and said, well, I had to do that in order to get out alive. Yeah. And it's okay. Yeah. Everybody, and I think probably everybody thought he was okay. Yeah. Yeah. For having done that. Uh, that's not that, that situation. I think it's not right. It's never right. What do we do instead? Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, I think there is a, there's a way of escape in situations, very difficult situations. First Corinthians ten thirteen. there has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape <coughs> that you may be able to bear it. Yeah. So <coughs> the idea there is that uh, we're not going to get in a situation where the only out is to do something sinful yeah. or wrong. And maybe uh, maybe the way out there is to die. Yeah. You know, Because death is not the end of all things. No. No, it's uh, in fact it would be a blessing to die. And, and somebody, uh, you know, somebody said, well, "What about that journalist? He, he was going to die if he if he didn't denounce Jesus Christ." Well, dying is not the worst thing. Yeah, going to hell eternally is the worst thing. Yeah, and the way of escape might be tell the truth and 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 die in faith. Yeah. Maybe that's the way of escape. You know, yeah. in that instance, you know. Yeah. You know, somebody said, "Well, there was no other way." Yeah, there is a way. Yeah, there's a way. Be faithful. Be faithful unto death, Revelation yeah. 2, verse 10. Right. And many Christians throughout history had to do that. They had to be faithful unto death. Yeah. That, that, so, so look for the way of escape. The way of escape doesn't necessarily mean you won't suffer or that you might not die for the cause. But the, the way of escape, that, that may be the provided way of escape. Yeah. Just be willing to be faithful. Again, we're on this idea of, of confessing Matthew ten thirty three. Whosoever denies me before men, him will I also deny before my Father who is in heaven. An absolute error. Not going to be changed by the circumstance. And so 
maybe your way out is to confess Christ and uh, suffer the earthly consequences to be rewarded forever in eternity. In the chat room, Kevin, not in the chat room, on Facebook. Hey, Kevin, Kevin's on Ke- Facebook Kevin tonight. Kevin says uh, Rahab had faith. That's what she that's why she's listed with the faithful in Hebrews 11. I think okay. you're exactly right. Thanks, Kevin. And he also says, situation ethics is a very dangerous form of something that wears the name of ethics but is not. <laughs> situation unethics, maybe. Yeah. All right. Unethical. All right. Uh, so look for what God's way of escape. Search God's word for the answer. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119, verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Search for the answers in God's word. Don't make them up yourself. Now, that's an important point because we talked about the fact that we're not going to be able to make up the rules ourselves. We're not going to be able to determine what's right and wrong ourselves. And so then by default, I'd want to have God's word hidden in my heart. I'd want to study and know it so that I could apply it rather than being left to my own devices of what makes the best sense. He's just out here in no man's land. You never can. So I'm going to just do what I think is loving. And I could be dead wrong. So I need to know God's word. Pray for wisdom. James 1, verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. You know, that's really what we need in circumstances. Wisdom. Absolutely. We have truth, and we need wisdom to apply the truth. Yeah. And James 1, verse 5 says, pray for that. Yeah. So you can pray in, right. in such circumstances. Right, absolutely. Uh, we're going to have to have wisdom. They're going to be difficult situations. And uh, these uh, these situations that people are wanting to apply situation ethics are not the easy ones. They're the difficult ones. So we're going to have to have wisdom to know how to handle those situations. And then you just got to trust God and believe that his way is the right way. Yeah. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not unto thine own understanding, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Isn't that the definition of faith right there? Yeah. Uh, trusting God that you're going to do what he says, not what you think is right, not what you think is best, but you're going to do what God says. You're going to trust in him, and you're going to acknowledge him and do what he said. Exactly right. right. Okay. Uh, situation ethics uh, certainly will be in difficult situations, but you've given some very good uh, ideas there on how we can and, deal and with we won't, We don't want to leave anybody with the impression we think that life is always easy no. and cut and dried. And, no. you know, <clears throat> there are some really, really tough circumstances. We, you know, and some of the situations that we've described tonight maybe are more lighthearted or not so serious. Some are very serious, but the fact of the matter is, regardless of the circumstance, the, tr- the truth of God stands and we've got to have the faith to apply it. Oh, I mean, it's very serious. Talking about standing up for uh, confessing Christ and having your head cut off. That's serious business there. Yeah. Uh, but, Kyle, uh, this, we can't, we've got to have resolve before we get in the situation that we're not going to allow the situation to determine our response. We're going to do what the scriptures teach regardless. Well, yes, and I think it's, uh, if you're in the moment, if you have to lay down your life for Christ, I think in that moment you should consider that. A great blessing. I mean, if you're going to lay, if it's the opportunity for you to lay down your life with faith in Jesus and faith in you know God, then that's you need to be really just go ahead and that's that's a reward actually. Yeah. If you're going to lay down your life, that's the best opportunity then. And if we're willing to do that, then we ought to be willing to do anything short of that, uh, which would mean maybe our life's a little uncomfortable. Or we have to do something we'd rather not. Uh, because, well, we're not going to let the situation dictate our response, and so we've got to be prepared to do uh, follow God regardless of the cost. All right, any other comments there on your side of things? I think we're good. I was just checking to see if we had any other comments. I don't see any, so All I think right. we're good. All right, Ted, again, share with your friends on Facebook. Let, us, let them know that we're out here 
the more the merrier, the more comments and participation from our audience, the better. And so we hope that you'll help us get the word out there. Again, those free bumper stickers, questions at collegeu.com is the email address to use. And, hey, I need one of those, too. i got a different vehicle I need to stick that yeah, on. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. i got to get one of those from you tonight. And, uh, well, Dad, thank you for the time tonight. The thanks, Jacob. Good discussion. Kyle, thanks for helping us get out there on the air. That's good to be here. And uh, thank you for joining us. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.